0: Thanks for tuning into this special episode. On with me is Ann Chow, CEO of AT&T Business. She's the first woman of color to hold a CEO title there and is the highest ranking Asian-American at the company. So rather than go into 5G or some other technical topic, we're gonna to talk about the violence and harassment that Asian-Americans and Pacific Islanders have faced over the last year, and look at some solutions to this very serious problem. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. Thanks for joining me, Ann. Uh, this is a wonderful opportunity to discuss the problems facing the Asian American and Pacific Islander communities. So I, I wanted to go back, and this is this is a heady topic, but I wanted to go back to a month ago today when eight people, six of whom were Asian women, were shot and killed in a series of mass shootings in three spas in Atlanta. Um, what went through your mind when you learned what happened? Um, for
1: first, Roger. Um, thank you so much for having me and for utilizing your platform to engage in this really important conversation um, and asking me to be here with you. Boy, I mean, it's uh, uh, you know, and in some ways, I wish we weren't here having this discussion. But what went through my mind when I heard um, about uh, about the um, the killings? Um, I was, of course, saddened. I was angered, and I I felt like. My goodness! I mean, it, is this what it has come to? Right, that we continue to uh, be marginalized as an API community. That stereotypes and biases um, impact so strongly people's point of view. And you know, being an Asian woman, um, and you know, I, I, I believe, by the way, this is true for all women of color, all multicultural women. You know, li- living at the nexus of whether it's in our personal lives or our professional lives. Uh, of sexism and racism right um is is such a challenging thing and for you know for this tragedy to have occurred in such a way and for it to have been immediately handled um with words like he had a bad day i mean just belied the tragedy right and reality of um of the violence across our community roger and so um i still um i still have, um, you know, I, I still can't really process it. But what I will say is that um, we have an obligation um, to not only our community, but to stand for equality. Um, and we we have an obligation to continue talking about it so that we can learn from it and ensure that we're doing everything possible um, to move forward constructively.
0: Absolutely. I think for a lot of folks in the Really, the from a nationwide perspective or national perspective, the the shootings really kind of catalyzed public awareness of this issue. But I, I assume you're you feel the same way. Like for me, this was a culmination of just a year of violence against and incidents against uh, the Asian American community. Like for me, it I was angered and I was frustrated. Um, you know, I watched that press conference as you did. Or, saw the the police official you know refer to it as a bad day and I was further angered um but I wasn't shocked like which is which is kind of sad but i i thought well oh, this was the logical culmination of what has been going on over the past year things have escalated to the point where we're here and um i I'm just curious what how you thought about that and, and how you've have you seen things change over the last year as the the rhetoric uh, has increased? The anti Asian harassment online and offline has increased, and, and what you, you know what you've seen over the past year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And 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 um, you know, and Roger, I'm going to ask you the same question, by the way, right? Because I think it's important that we talk about our own experiences through this, right? So this is not just observation, but even what I've experienced. There's no question that over the past year, um, you know, xeno, you know, severe xenophobia. Um, You know, has has accelerated, right? And um, and whether it's in you know comments that people make, whether it's in businesses who choose to blame the uh, situation on you know a country or a certain type of people, right? In terms of the virus, um, you know, I've seen that um, really uh, explode, right? I mean, it's really you know it was it was not uncommon for me, um, you know, in the early months of the pandemic. Uh, to see signs up um, for for businesses, um, you know, as you know, AT&T provides essential service, and so you know, our our folks are out and about destroying connectivity for our customers, um, and uh, uh, you know, lots of lots of hate, right? Lots of hate in uh, in practice. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share with you one story. Uh, That really struck me, and and Roger, I I will share with you and your audience that this is not a story that I've actually talked about yet. So you're getting the inside exclusive on this one. Um, I was at the grocery store with one of my daughters, you know, who is a young adult, and this was in the early days, in the early months of the pandemic. And uh, you know, masks, of course, you know, gloves, of course, six feet distancing, of course. And we were waiting in line, and amply spaced uh, in in, behind the person in front of us. who was not an Asian person. And there were clearly six feet in between us because both of our carts were separating us. And this person looked back at me and and basically effectively snarled, can you please step back now, right? And it's important to note that the person in front of him uh, who was not with him in terms of his party, uh, shopping party uh, was clearly within less than three feet of him, right? And so my daughter looks at me and says, uh, yeah, OK. I mean, you know, she clearly knew what was going on. I clearly knew what was going on. Of course, I just simply stepped back and, uh, you know, and uh, chose not to have an altercation at that point. But that is one of so many subtleties, right, that uh, that have occurred over this past year. I don't know, Roger, I mean, you you, know, you live in the city. Um, had, you know, do you have a story like that that you would be comfortable
0: so I, I live right outside the city. So I've and I've largely stayed inside for uh, the bulk of this pandemic. So I, I personally do not. I, I will say, um, you know, there's a story that I shared a year ago uh, when I wrote a piece about sort of the dangers of words and terms like Chinese virus and, and kung flu. Uh, it was a, a friend, a um, classmate of my son. Uh, he and his mother were just sort of standing outside a shop, and uh, you know, a car. They were right outside the street. A car had stopped, uh, and the the woman, a woman, had rolled down her window and started yelling at them. And it, to the point where um, it was it was sad because uh, the the son didn't. He you know he's the same age as my son. He's now he would be around four or five. You know, he just sort of looked up at his mom and asked like. Like what what did we do wrong, right? Like mm-hmm. he didn't understand that what was going on, and she was she was horrified. She ran sort of to the side of the building. Uh, she got away, waited for her husband to to come and find her. Um, but you know that that happened fairly early on in the pandemic, and it, mm-hmm. it it was the sort of thing that you know kind of crystallized or or really brought to for me just sort of a a sense of just how vulnerable we are. We all are, yes. um, and and. Really, the last couple of months for me uh, has been frustrating because I, you know, I tend to read these feeds that that sort uh, of give you a sense of like all the incidents that have happened. And like the last month, it has seemed like every day there has been a new incident uh, mm-hmm. of violence or harassment, uh, particularly yes. in New York City and, and the SF area. So, so areas where a lot of the reporting has gone. And and the the the, just a number of instances have risen so quickly. Like I even before the shootings, I was already kind of we we talked ahead of this call about being in a heightened sense of of stress, and that was I I knew that was something that was causing me a lot of stress.
1: Um, Yeah, it is it is true. You know, people have asked me, Roger, if I if I'm afraid, and it's it's sort of a strange thing. I, I haven't really figured out in my psyche. I I'm not afraid for myself, but I am so concerned about others right about the elderly in our community about um you know the 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 children right the children who are experiencing this like your friend's son i mean you know for me you know my 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 daughters are older right so they're able to process this and we can have a very balanced discussion about what is happening right but you know when i see when i see the impact of um, you know, of this language of these these crimes, these incidents, right? Uh, whether crimes or not, uh, the impact on this next generation of you know, um, AAPI um, leaders, right? It, you know, in, in America, it's it's really profound. You know, I think our community has always suffered from this view of being silent, being ignored, you know, being quiet. Um, you know, and my my hope is that out of these these moments that we will collectively find our voice along with our allies and our supporters, so that uh, again, so that we can um, be better, right? So that we can w- learn from history but not repeat it, if you will, right? so
0: well, I mean, that's it's a good segue, just because uh, I wanted to get a sense from uh, from you, like how, you know as the awareness of this has risen uh, uh, this as an issue has has risen how like you as a leader has addressed this at eighteen t how eighteen t has addressed this uh this issue um you know what because obviously th- this requires difficult and sometimes uncomfortable conversations uh, how did that i'm curious how that unfolded at your company yeah
1: certainly well you yeah. know um, Roger. I will say that you know I'm I'm fortunate to live, um, you know um, you know to, to have the opportunity to um, be part of a company that uh, has de- embraced diversity and inclusion, sort of at the core of our strategy and, and who we are. And so we have an environment where um, you know sp- speaking up and standing up. In fact, uh, stand for equality is one of our core values. You know, as a company that we explicitly state, right? You know, as is. You know, make a difference, right? As is, uh, you know, embrace freedom, right? As is be there, right? And so, um, so I have found it as a leader, um, you know, a, a, um, a moment in time that gives us an opportunity as, as teams to really engage, um, in a m- even more transparent way, you know, from a company perspective, you know, we, we have, you know, we have consistently, you know, stepped up and leaned in, in support of, you know, under underserved communities, you know, whether it's our commitment to, you know, black suppliers, HBCUs, when, you know, the Stop AAPI Hate, you know, kind of movement emerged, you know, for the National Day of Awareness and Healing, you know, we announced a, you know, $7 million commitment to support uh, the community, right, of which includes a you know multi-platform public service announcement that you may have seen, um, you know that included some uh, Warner Media uh, talent as well as myself, right? Just um, you know in a text to donate campaign, if you will, right? And so, um, so we, from a company perspective, view that we absolutely have a responsibility uh, to raise awareness. To lift up the voices, to tell the stories. You know, uh, you know. After all, at ts you know uh, purpose is to create connection, right? And we connect. One of the ways we create connection is through storytelling, right? And you know, at, at times like these, it is so important for the voices to be heard, for the experiences to be um, embraced, right? At least to be, you know, to to give people an opportunity uh, to speak their minds and their hearts and to process in their own way how they might engage differently, right? Or how I might they seek to learn differently um, about the experiences of others, right? And so, you know, I'll share with you, and I, lo- I love your words about uncomfortable conversations, <laughs> because one of the things that I did across my, uh, across my business is I actually, uh, last year, uh, you know, after the, uh, you know, the, the the tragedies and the tragic, uh, you know, uh, murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, uh, uh, you know, I, I created a, a, a new, uh, kind of a new um, communication uh, forum for my organization. I call them candid conversations, uh, where I'm looking to create a safe space for uh, my team and my employees to tackle and to address some of these um, very sensitive issues, right? Um, you know, you, you, you asking for participation and engagement from you know uh, ATT employees right who may be on our team uh, leaders as well as outside you know uh, you know outside perspectives as well you know community members um, to engage in these difficult conversations to understand the topics of uh, racism, discrimination, stereotyping, microaggressions, how some of these things may manifest and have manifested in the context of somebody's career, right? Um, you know, and um, you know, I uh, I'm proud of how you know our company has has responded and continues to engage, and I feel that as a leader um, in the company and also outside in the community, um, we need to keep doing it. Right? This is not a this is you know, and many have been known to say this. This needs to not be a moment. It needs to be a movement. It needs to be a movement that creates another inflection point um, in our constructive growth. Um, as a society, so
0: that you put that really well, and that, that was a good segue to my next question was, is, you know, how, how do we avoid making this like a moment where, cause we're already sort of seeing it right. Shortly after the, the shooting and shootings in Atlanta, there were shootings in Colorado. It, the, the, the conversation already shifted the, the topic went into gun control and, and we're sort of back to black lives matter. The conversation constantly shifts. Just this is the way society works now, right? Where our, our focus shifts constantly. So how 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 does that? How do you sustain momentum for a movement like this? How do you keep this an issue that uh, that stays at the forefront? Because I think that's for me one of the big challenges and frustrations is like everyone understood that this was a problem last month, but you know if you ask someone now who's not necessarily involved in the Asian American community, it's, it's sort of like, Oh, right. That was, that was last month's issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Like today I'm focused on this. Yes. Right. And And it's, it's human nature to not be able to handle the breadth of problems that we all are dealing with right there. And there are plenty, but how, how, how do you keep the momentum going for something like this?
1: Yeah, I I, I think there are a couple of things, right? And I, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I, I see this in my children who are you know a generation older than your children. You'll see it in your children, no doubt, right? Which is the attention span, um, you know, uh, it continues to shrink, right? And whether that's because we live in an app-based social media snippet, snippet kind of world, right? Perhaps both of us may resemble that remark a little bit, right? Um, you know, in our in our day job in our professions, um, that is definitely a challenge. I, I do believe, though, right? Look, systemic racism and social injustice exists, right? There's too much data and too many proof points for anybody to debate the merits of that fact. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that the history of on which this. Um, these, you know, um, underlying constructs in, uh, you know, in various parts of industry, in various parts of the public sector, um, in various parts of society, they exist because they've been built over up over a period of time, a long period of time. Right. And, you know, while we while we absolutely and I'm sure a, a big part of your inspiration for having this conversation uh, with me and us together here is that we want for America to be better. Right. We, we don't acknowledge that this is who America is. But, Roger, the reality is it is who America is and was. And our job is to make sure that it is not who America remains or becomes in an even more polarized way. Right. So this is not a quick fix. Um, I believe we need to keep telling the stories and surfacing the realities. But that is not enough. Um, I, I, believe there needs to be what I will call, and you'll, you'll, uh, you'll appreciate my sort of, this is a little bit of corporate speak here, but I believe there needs to be a bottoms up grassroots aspect to the movement, as well as a tops down leadership led aspect of the movement. Um, and unless we have both, whether it's in a company, whether it's in a uh, part of the government, whether it's uh, in a certain part of, um, you know, the public sector, uh, whether it's in media, right, whether it's in anything, right, in our communities, in our friends, you know, in our, uh, you know, in our uh, religious institutions, uh, you know, in our social circles, we will not be able to affect change. Now, that may sound like a lofty goal, right, in terms of creating structures and organizations and conversation to create and enable grassroots movements, right, and not suppress them. How to, um, as leaders, um, you know, balance that um, you know responsibility to move forward for all your people, right, um, and for your organizations at large, right, and to keep it at the forefront, but not make it, um, not make it mandatory, right, or compliance driven. I think this is one of the risks here, right? Is that this is something that has to change one person, one belief system at a time. Um, and it is uh, one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about about the topic of bias, because the reality is that um, bias is part of the human condition. We all have it. Right. And I, for one, uh, you know, having been in industry for over 30 years and often being the first right or the only um, in the room. Right. Whether it's the you know, proverbial room or the figurative room. Um, bias exists. And I believe that bias and unconscious bias is actually at the root of so much of this strife, right? Whether it's racial strife, whether it's religious strife, whether it's socioeconomic strife, you know. Um, and we um, we have an obligation here um, to stand for equality and ensure an equitable society for all, you know, whether it's in the aspects of education or income or health. And until we can actually work to reframe and surface those unconscious biases, we can't move forward because they'll always be there, right? They'll always be there and they affect our words, they affect our decisions and they affect our actions, right? And so that's my my perspective, Roger, on what I think needs to continue to happen to ensure that this isn't the moment, but it is in fact a movement for positive change.
0: The idea that this conversation needs to continue, these, as I said before, uncomfortable conversations that yeah. need to happen and need to happen on a more regular basis. I like the idea that this, like you're saying, and, and I hate using corporate speak too, but <laughs> top down, bottoms up, the idea that it's really coming from both ends, that that leadership is modeling this, but also uh, engaging with the, the broader company, um, that's... It does sound lofty, um, for sure. And I think it definitely would require buy-in from a lot of people. Uh, but it's clearly something I want to see in companies in general. I'm curious, uh, maybe not from, from a corporate level, but from an individual colleague level, what advice you might have to folks who aren't in the you know the Asian community on how they can be better allies. Because I get, I get asked this often um and like I, I'd, I'd love to pose the question to you as well. Just like what, what, what are your suggestions, your recommendations for for folks who want to help uh, but don't necessarily know how or where to start?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a great question, and I, Roger. I, I probably doesn't surprise you. I get that question a lot as well. So let's you know let's let's add to that corporate speak of bottoms up, tops down, you know, grassroots, leader led to side to side, right, peer to peer engagement as well, because that's also the that's the third dimension, of, which is what you're really getting at here, right? Is um allyship you know how do you move from you know how do you move from sort of being passive about this topic or unaware quite frankly right you know I, you know i'm i'm certainly comfortable sharing with you Roger that many of the um, microaggressions that i've experienced throughout my life and career many of them are not ill from ill-intended people right they just are rooted in racial ignorance or racial insensitivity right or gender based you know ignorance or gender based insensitivity so um, if, if there are those out there, and of course there are, right? We wouldn't, um, have made the progress that we've made. Um, and we will not be able to make more progress without, um, engaging as many people as we possibly can. The first thing to do is, um, is, is to do exactly as you said, which is, um, lean into express your desire to help, right? Lean into express your desire to seek to understand, which means that, um, and oftentimes, and this is so true, Roger, is, you know, for our community, the AAPI community, that it's, it's culturally often difficult for us to be, you know, be the noisy one, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and as a result, our voices are not heard. Um, and so for those who seek to be our allies, help us bring forward our voices, right? Create environments and conversations and seek to build relationships with others. So that you can seek to understand their stories and perspectives and that is such an important start i mean you w- you would not believe the incredible reception that you know that we've gotten um, you know even as a company as we've elevated these uncomfortable these these candid conversations these you know these live discussions um, around very difficult topics right because you know, leadership takes courage, and everybody here can choose to be a leader and lean into um, these topics. So the first thing is to seek to learn from others and uh, go out of your way, right? I mean, extend a hand, extend an ear, um, extend some compassion, right? Seek to to find some empathy, right? Which means that you've got to seek to really understand, and then really engage. You know, I, I think. Um, you know, and while our uh you know the framework, Roger, that you and I have just laid out seems a little bit lofty, we know that change happens one conversation, one person, one connection, one relationship, one act at a time, right? Some of the horrors that we've seen um recorded across our community, what would have been different if somebody just stepped in to help? Right. Right? Right. What would have been different? Um in the outcome, right? In the effect to all those watching, right? And so, um, to me, the most, um, the, the, the most dangerous thing that we must guard against is apathy and lack of action, right? In, in my view, if you're a, if you're a passive bystander, you're part of the problem here, right? Fundamentally, if you see something wrong, you see an injustice, right? Uh, and understanding that We've all got to protect our own safety, right? Um, you, you got to do something, but, but before you kind of can decide what you want to do and kind of what your comfort level is, you got to really work to seek to understand, right? And to become an ally. And then ultimately decide how far you want to go with your advocacy, right? Do you want it to be behind the scenes advocacy, which can be very effective, right? Or do you want it to be out in the upfront, you know, much more bold? Kind of advocacy, right? Um, but but uninformed, you know, misguided advocacy advocacy can also be a problem, right? So so um, so so I think those those would be some of the things that I would um, you know uh, share with those who are asking you as asking me of how to even get started to become an ally.
0: I'd like to thank Ann Chow, CEO of AT and T Business, for her time and candor as we discuss this critical topic. If you'd like to help, you could donate to organizations like Hate is a Virus and Asian Americans Advancing Justice or just approach this topic with an open mind. If you have any questions or want to leave a note, you can ping me on Twitter at The Daily Charge, or interact with me through text message by signing up at cnet.co slash dailycharge. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.